What up, everybody? Welcome to the Smoking Tire Podcast. This episode is brought to you by HelloFresh, which brings you fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit. Here's what they do. They cut out stressful meal planning and grocery store trips so you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in just about 30 minutes or less. I love to cook so I can relate to this. Cooking is fun. The actual cooking part, deciding what to cook, going to the grocery store, and if it's just you or you and one other person having to buy way more than you need to make dinner, then having waste on the back end, that sucks. Plus, a lot of the best recipes, like if you really have to prep from zero, take a long time. HelloFresh solves for this. They send you fresh pre-portioned ingredients, and that way when you come home from work, you come home from school, you're tired, you don't want to commit two hours to dinner, you don't have to. From start to finish, it's about 30 to 40 minutes, uh, and the food is delicious. The recipes, uh, you can choose from hundreds of options each week. You choose the recipes you want on the website. They deliver you uh, an individual bag with all of the things you need, the produce, the spices, the seasonings, all pre-portioned. So you don't have to like sit there and measure. You just open, dump. It's money. It is very money. And you can change your delivery day, your food preferences, your plan size, skip weeks whenever you need. It is a fabulous system. Uh, It's so good that even after my freebies for reading these ads ran out, me and my wife, uh, we kept doing it. Kept doing it for a little while. I even learned some new recipes. I kept like the recipe card they gave me. So if I ever want to make it again later, you know, or for more people, I could using that recipe. It's great. Go to HelloFresh.com slash SmokingTire14. HelloFresh.com slash SmokingTire14 and use code SmokingTire14 for up to 14 free meals plus free shipping. Okay, ready? HelloFresh.com slash SmokingTire14 and then use code SmokingTire14 for 14 free meals. That's why HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. Speaking of number one things, this summer, Get the most out of your newfound, hopefully, ability to travel abroad by learning the destination's language with Babbel, the number one selling language learning app. From ordering in restaurants, asking for directions, getting a cab, or getting a deeper understanding of the culture, Babbel makes the whole process of learning a new language addictively fun and easy. With bite-sized lessons you can actually use in the real world, Babbel is a can't-miss travel essential. Babbel's 15-minute lessons make it the perfect way to learn a new language on the go. Unlike those infamous language classes you took in high school, Babbel designs their courses with practical, real-world conversations in mind, things you get to use in everyday life. The teaching method has been scientifically proven to be effective, and they have up to 14 different languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, and German. Plus, Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you improve your pronunciation and accent. There's so many ways to learn with Babbel in addition to the lessons you can access, podcasts, games, videos, stories, even live classes. 
Right now, when you purchase a three-month Babbel subscription, you'll get an additional three months for free. That's six months for the price of three at Babbel.com, promo code TIRE. That's B-A-B-B-E-L, Babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L.com, code TIRE for three extra months for free. And we're also brought to you by Sennheiser. These guys make pro-level audio equipment. We've been using their wireless microphones and headphones in our studios and video shoot for years, and now they are in the earbud game. Couple things about earbuds. First off, they're always about sound quality, right? Sennheiser has got that sound quality. And for 75 years, while other companies have focused on phones, tablets, etc., Sennheiser has exclusively focused on sound. Their new Momentum True Wireless 2s deliver the best listening experience and been finally crafted for even the most discerning listener. With their free smart control app, you can adjust the sound to your own personal preference with a built-in equalizer. And now you can switch off your surroundings and dive into that impactful song or important episode with their new active noise cancellation feature. With up to a 28-hour battery life, these earbuds can last you all day and then some. Man, 28 hours. That's a long time. It's no wonder CNET called the Momentum True Wireless 2s clearly superior sound quality to the AirPods Pro and the earbuds to get in if you value sound quality over anything else. I have been a fan of Sennheiser uh, since... I don't know, 15 years ago when I started using their uh, their labs. Then we bought their headphones for the studio. And these earbuds, I've never had quality like this. They're all crystal clear. And unlike those other earbuds from the, uh, the phone company, they stay in my ears. They don't fall out, which is another very important thing that's not written on the page. But it's important to me. Why settle for anything less than great sound? Hear the difference with Sennheiser. Right now, for my first 100 listeners who go to Sennheiser.com slash podcast and use promo code TIRE, you'll receive 15% off the Momentum True Wireless 2 earbuds or anything else they make. That's 15% off when you go to Sennheiser.com. That's S-E-N-N-H-E-I-S-E-R, Sennheiser.com slash podcast. Use promo code TIRE. 15% off for the first 100 listeners. And of course, once you got those headphones in, headphones in, Settle down with the old Tradecraft Farms, the official THC CBD provider of the Smoke and Tire podcast. From the most scrumptious edibles uh, and delightful flowers to the most portable and potent pens. Wow, I really alliterated on the fly there. That was very good. Tradecraft Farms is it, folks. If you're in California, visit one of their retail locations. Hit up their website to see where they're at. I like their Port Wyneme location. It's a good excuse to drive your sports car. It's a good destination. Uh, if you're not in California and don't have access to these types of delightful goodies legally, just give them a follow on Instagram, Tradecraft Farms and Tradecraft underscore Farms. They take you to pretty much the same place. They own them both. Or at fire, if you just want to keep it real simple, at fire. Tradecraft Farms is the official provider of such delightful floral goodies 
the Smoking Tire Podcast. All right. On this episode of the show, we've got Magnus Walker in studio. He has a new season of his show, The Next Big Thing, on the uh, Haggerty YouTube channel. He also just released a uh, sneaker collaboration with Nike, which is very, very cool. The subtext of that is that Magnus is getting old and needs to switch from boots to sneakers. That's the subtext of that. But we don't have to talk about that because dirt don't slow him down. Magnus Walker on the show. What's up? Same old, same old. You know, beard's getting gray. It, <laughs> other than that, <laughs> has Just for Men approached you yet? No, there's, there's none of that. You know, Dirt don't slow you down, but right. gray. Yeah, <laughs> well, you know, there's just less of it, and it's thinner. That's about it. Well, I mean, you age gray, more, much more gracefully than most. I turned 54 last week. Had Congratulations. My happy birthday. Cheers happy birthday. L'chaim. As they say, go. yes. Bought yourself a new house. Yeah, Hannah and I With your partner, bought, Hannah, bought a house, yeah. Who's fabulous. Yes, she One is. One of the most fabulous people out there. I am a lucky guy on many, many levels. I mean, to have somebody that fabulous whose gig it is is to write about cars, it's pretty good for you, huh? Yeah, and, and the great thing about it is Hannah will say she's not a car person, and the great thing about that is we're all car people, but even I get bored of 24-7 car talk. She's able to switch off quite well easily. Well-rounded. Yeah, and it's not 24-7 car talk, so... That's one of the many things that are great about her. For yeah, sure. yeah. That's, I mean, I, I'm i happy that my wife isn't really a car person. She's come to appreciate my yeah. Hannah, has come to appreciate certain things what about What does your Hannah do? She works at Twitter. Oh, tw- all right, all right. She's, uh, she's actually, she just got promoted. She's the she's actually the director of research well, at Twitter. Chief so it's, Twitter. It's pretty a uh, G job. I don't really do the Twitter. I'm on it, but I seldom post on it. I learned that this yeah. morning when I tried to tag you uh, <laughs> in our in promoting this podcast. Yeah. yeah, you're not much of a tweeter. That's okay. Your Instagram is your medium, for sure. Yeah, and YouTube. It, it took me some time to get to that as well, but, uh, you know, it's amazing what you can do with a phone in your pocket. Yeah. What was your, what was your, when you were promoting like your fashion business back in the day, what was your medium of communication? Well, it's interesting. We were talking about that the other day, 20 years ago. It was a lot of stylists coming down, pulling wardrobe mm-hmm. for artists to go on tour, promo, music video. It was the more traditional method Old of getting- Old school, and yeah. weirdly, it seemed pretty easy. We just organically evolved from the boardwalk in Venice to a retail store on Melrose, and the store on Melrose became like the one-stop rock and roll shop. So every band that was on tour that was playing a gig They'd had some downtime. They'd come through. And that was how I met everyone from Alice Cooper to Madonna. So- Back then, it was just more organic. You didn't really think about, oh, I've got to put a post up. Yeah. We were just doing it, and people were coming, pulling. And we got on the cover of, like, Rolling Stone. And <laughs> really? Just, Who was wearing it on Rolling Stone? Remember the band Belly? Oh, yeah. So Belly was on the cover of Rolling Stone. We, we did a bunch of sequin stuff, which was part Elvis, part rock and roll. But we had everyone from Social Distortion wearing them mm-hmm. to Smashing Pumpkins to Belly on the cover of Rolling Stone. That must have been cool as hell. Yeah. You know, it was funny. When I got my green card 20 years ago, I had to make a book of everything that I'd done because I went through this thing called First Preference. And I had to prove I had some sort of artistic ability. Uh-huh. And I, am just, of, I am worthy. Yeah, it was essentially that. But it was a trip down memory lane of going through the scrapbook because we actually kept a scrapbook. Yeah. We didn't have a phone. It wasn't like you had a favorite uh, You folder. can't be like a uh, customs officer. I have uh, <laughs> yeah. 350,000 Instagram followers. You know, 
those guys in the bank, they don't seem to care about how many Instagram <laughs> followers you've got, right? But back then it was old school. I mean, it was pretty exciting to be on the cover of Rolling Stone and Hit Parade. Hell yeah. And then there was the fashion side of it, all the fashion magazines. You know, we were on Vogue and just various things. So it was different back then, but it seemed, you just adapt to the environment, mm. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Do you know our friend Nino, who used to work for us uh, on our old show and edited for us, and, and, and he was also kind of a musician. I don't know if you ever met him. I, I think you may him. have at one point, but he just started a fashion line. My audience on Instagram were the meanest they've ever been to anybody <laughs> about right. Nino's fashion line. Fashion crowd. But he made 50, he learned to sew, he made pieces from yeah. scratch, he's doing like sublimation dye printing uh -huh. and the fabrics, and like, you know, all these people in our audience talked mad shit, but I showed it to fucking Matt Jacobson of yeah. Birdwell Beach Bridge, who's like, oh, this is cool. have that guy call me on well, Monday. there you go. So like y'all can go eat a dick. It's all about who you know. But, uh, I, mean, I mean, I actually. <laughs> but he got uh, he got Machine Gun Kelly and Lil Nas X wearing his things. He goes to that Melrose like oh, uh, flea market swamp meeting. Yeah, yeah, he's got yeah, a yeah. booth there, and he moves yeah, units. That's super cool. I mean, yesterday we were at the Rose Bowl. H and I shopping for inspiration for the house, and it's amazing how inspiring the Rose Bowl is for antiques slash furniture slash. Is that the good one? The Rose the, Bowl. The Rose one? Bowl second Sunday of the month is the granddaddy of all flea markets. So it's everything from two hundred all antiques to people like you just talking about doing fashion. I went to one at the Santa Monica Airport a couple weeks ago. That's a little different. It was not. Yeah. It was like it seemed like there were five booths on repeat yeah, yeah. throughout There's the whole thing. There's a theme thing. there. You know, it's West Side, it's more Holly Hobby <laughs> interior design. I mean, we've we've gone there. That's if you want to be I think for you you're more suited to the Melrose Flea Market Probably, yeah, on a yeah. Sunday, the Rose Bowl and I saw one come up on Coenga just north of Hollywood Boulevard. Oh really? Oh that that seems like uh, my speed. Yeah, I think. and there's yeah, one yeah. right there, you know, there's a lot more flavor, let's put it there. Yeah. <laughs> what are you expecting, Santa Monica? Come on. That's no, it was weird. I mean it was you're a West strange. Sider, it's, I know. It wasn't but it wasn't a West Side. It was like, it was just all chosh. Holly Hobby. Just yes, that's a much better shabby chic. There you that go. That one without chic. the chic part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just shabby, <laughs> shabby and pretending to be chic. There I think go. is more like it. But I'm still sewing. You know, I'm making face masks and putting pockets on my shirts for phones and things that don't fit. Yeah, and you've but and you're collaborating with Nike on sneakers. Yeah, it's no small gig. Yeah, I mean that was three Thank years you in the again. By the way, I'm glad they're they fit. So, I'm, glad so they, I'm glad they fit. They do fit. That I'm not so wearing them today because we were filming in the fucking dirt this morning. No, I'm hey, not going to wear five hundred dollars shoes. Come up on, there, come on. Although clearly you do. Yours are like mine are like you know aged extremely quickly. Well, because when you were promoting them, you pretty much were only taking pictures of yours, and right. I thought that they were going to be these like pre dirty. Yeah, yeah, pre dirty. And I'm not that into pre dirty. I get it. I and get when, it. And when you gave them to me, and I opened the box, and I'm, oh. Just his are fucking dirty. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, They're not pretty dirty. This is great. That was a discussion with Nike because I'd said, hey, I'm going to show mine all beat up because that's the way I'm wearing them. And they were sure, you know, the more beat up it is, the more authentic it is. I think they're right. So I just didn't way, realize that that wasn't how they came Yeah, ready. there was a mild confusion. So I did have to have one post. Hey, this, if you're concerned, this is how they come out of the box. For you sneaker pimps that want them all white, you know, that don't want them beat up and cracked up. Well, it's got, it's a tech texture that's like it comes like about to crack yeah 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 like it's like ready to crack but yeah, not cracked pre-distressed the concept behind it was to emulate the car which was originally gold and then sprayed various colors and has been white for 20 years that the shoe will crack up and distress like the car did so the way the paint was applied to the leather the original color was gold it's already sort of pre-cracked so it's gonna crackle up yeah. and deconstruct it's part of nike's sb deconstruct line but you said three years in the making so take me through the process they called 
called you or you got a hold of someone Do you want the there? long story or the semi-long story? Semi. All right, so I'd met Nike back in 2012 when the Urban Outlaw trailer first came out. I got an email from Sandy Bodek, who was the vice president of Nike, inspired by the film or the trailer. Long story short, we screened him a rough edit of the Soho House and hosted a two-day design summit for Nike's designers at the Loft Downtown in 2012. You get a lot of fucking mileage out of that trailer. Yeah, but that was pure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, literally. Oh my like, god! Did you a, get mileage out with, of that within trailer? Within a week of that coming out, we didn't know if 5,000 people were going to see it or five million. But when Nike approached us within a couple of days, we were like, "Wow, where's the connection here?" Mm-hmm. We didn't really. See it, but it was just, I suppose, thinking outside the box a little bit. So yeah, we knew we were onto something, and Sandy said, you know, if you ever need anything, let us know, and we kind of lost contact, and then unfortunately he passed away in 2018. He had throat cancer and passed away, and we went up there for the, um, I suppose, a memorial in Portland, and a couple of months before, I'd been approached by uh, what became a buddy of mine called Pelly, who ran Nike SB, and he said, hey, are you interested in doing a shoe with us. What do you think about that? One of our pro skaters is a Porsche guy, a shot wear. And I said, well, you know, I don't skate. I just want to let you know that up front. I don't skate. He goes, that doesn't matter. It's more a collab on attitude and style and the crossover between the car world and the skate world and the need for speed. So we went up there, attended Sandy's memorial, met Nike, toured the campus, the kitchen, and they're all car guys. They've all got a- Is that cool? Yeah, it was super cool. Yeah, because for me, as a kid growing up when I was 10, back in the 70s, I ran in Nike Waffles, and Nike wasn't that old a company back then. And one of my early heroes was a guy called Sebastian Coe, Olympic middle disc world record holder who ironically won the 1500 meters at the LA Olympics in 1984 huh. he was a Nike athlete why was he were you like a distance runner back middle in the distance day? and cross country and oh, the really? Sebastian Cobit to put it into prospectus as a young kid when I was literally it was 78 so I was 11 yeah I ran in the Nike waffle you bro look at them. the price yeah 1500 that was the shoe I ran in in the 70s and Sebastian Coe, who uh, went on to be Olympic world champion and world record holder, he'd signed this little certificate I had, and all it said was, well done, Sebastian Coe. But I still have it 43 years later. Oh, wow, so cool. it kind of meant something. And when I went to Nike, they had a whole Sebastian Coe wing. Oh, and really? And dedicated to him. So that was sort of full circle for me as a 10-year-old to Sandy Bodecker in 2012 to 2018, mm-hmm. the first conversation with Pelly. And then Nike is a huge corporation, so you don't hear anything for six months, <laughs> nine months, a year. Yeah. By 2019, is it on? Yeah, we're still doing it. And then right at the beginning of what became COVID, like the week before, like March 8th, I finally met a shot for the first time. He came down the warehouse and it was sort of like, we talked about it for two years. Finally, it was like, you two should meet and see if you click. Uh-huh. He came down in his Porsche and that was it. The sneaker was on. And I only ever did two drawings and I dated him. It was like March 25th and April 3rd. And Pelly essentially said, because I'd never designed a shoe, but I'd done clothing and various other things. He goes, just put all your inspiration on it and we'll scale it back. So I tried to incorporate a bunch of my details, like mm-hmm. the drilled door handles, the original sketch had perforations in the swoosh, the top part had louvers, little slits uh, in the leather. Listen, bud, this is going to be uh, $10,000 to make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, it was, uh... was kind of like that. And the shoe was a lot more red, white, and blue, and it had a ghosty Union Jack on the side. And they kind of scaled it back a little bit and made the shoe a little bit more wider. But it didn't really change. And so the first sample we got in August, the blue wasn't quite right. It was more of like a sort of turquoisey teal blue. And the hardest part of the shoe really was just getting the blue on the swoosh to match the blue on the bumper. Because they're different materials? Yeah, different materials. This was oh, the f- so, I'm sorry, the blue on the your bumper. 
Yeah, the Literally ball on my bumper matching the blue yeah, on the yeah, swoosh. Yeah, 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 sorry. I was thinking about from one part of the shoe to well, the other. Sorry, interesting yes. point, because this was the first time in a long time Nike had done a deconstruction dunk that was multiple fabrics, i.e. leather and uh, canvas. So, you know, most of them are all leather. My favorite is the, the, the hidden Easter egg tartan on the oh, inside. Yeah, 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 the yeah. tartan on the inside, when I found that, I was like, oh, shit, yeah, this yeah. is dope. Well, that sort of tied back into <clears> the fashion <throat> background. I've done tartan interiors on quite a few of my cars. And the blue interior was actually inspired by my uh, 67S. So that had the blue interior tartan there. And uh, mismatched laces. Mismatch- I love the mismatched yeah, laces. Yeah, it actually comes with three laces, as you know. Yeah, not being stingy with the laces. Not being stingy no, with the laces. <laughs> it's good. But and here, wait, how come, though, it's it's sold as an SB, yeah. but it's pretty much an Air Force One, isn't it? Well, they, it's, it's not really. A, I'm wearing them. In wearing them, they don't feel like skateboarding shoes. They feel like basketball shoes from the '70s. It's real close. The problem, the difference with the deconstruction is, you know, there's less padding, mm-hmm. so it's already not quite as puffy. Mm-hmm. And I think the canvas really makes it feel more vintage. Yeah, it 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 feels like a vintage shoe yeah. for sure. But I but my friend Nino had this fashion show launching his shit the other night, and I I built a whole outfit around those shoes. He was like, "You have to dress up." I was like, I, "The only cool thing I own are these Magnus shoes." What was the rest of the outfit to match the shoes? Uh, do you know Robert Graham on Venice? They make like crazy, pretty aggressive, like? like Miami shirts. Okay, okay. So I got a, a fun pattern shirt that matched the matched. Is this sort of Miami Vice style? A little bit, yeah. little Cuban, <laughs> Cuban influence, little Havana inspired. Kind of, yeah. I mean, the sh- you know, I I kind of want to get back into the fashion game, but not doing what I did before, where I ran all the production and samples. I'd sort of be more on the creative end, collaborating, doing like a capsule collection. I mean, you could really do, you know, the collab game is enormous right now. Yeah. So you could just lend your design influence to a whole bunch of stuff. That's sort of what I'm. I mean, the Nike I think will be the catalyst for that because this was a collaboration that I don't think people expected. Yeah. You know. I was always wearing my Doc Martens because they were super comfortable and they still are. So for me, it kind of came. Just bought a new pair of Docs. It is new last pair of Docs. week. I bought it for the first new, time in five years. New Docs are not comfortable. I no, but they make them. They make a real soft. I'm a bitch. I didn't buy. I don't buy the ones that are like oh, super that suck for uh, the, oh, this, These are gonna suck for three, Two four years. years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I you want didn't get that one. one. Do you have one that's comfortable now? I'll buy that. There you go. Yeah, I suck. <laughs> I mean, the interesting thing for me with a Nike collab, and we knew it'd be like this, but not to quite this extreme. Like I'd done stuff with Hot Wheels before, but Nike. Nike people are fanatical, probably as fanatical as Star Wars fans, right? Mm -hmm. So when this thing kind of leaked out a few weeks before it came out, that was when the hype started. Then it got on Hype Beast and various other places. Last week, Ashad and I doing an interview with GQ magazine, eight-page spread. So this thing's got eight-page spread in (laughs) GQ. About a fucking shoe. Awesome. That's great. It's a story. you know. It's not just a shoe. It's it's a melding of two styles coming together, cross-culture brought together by the love of the car. Oh, really? I think yeah. you know, that was a catalyst sure for it. cars take up. Yeah, you know, there's some L.A. River spread. shots, of course. But uh, my you point- that permit, L.A. River? Pff, come Very on, you drive nice. right in. What permit? There's no one there. The gate's, <laughs> gate's wide open. Is it really? I mean, there is no gate. Really? you got to go near Bro, the Home Depot on something. Drop that pin for me. Later, yeah, later before you go home, drop that pin. It used to be really easy when it was under the 6th Street Bridge. Now you got to go a little further north through okay. Chinatown. But whenever I post a photo in the bridge, and I, in the river, and I've done a few of them, everyone's like, how do you get there? Do you need a permit? Well, the... I, I've lived here for 12 years. I've always thought you needed a permit. I didn't realize you had to be the fucking outlaw. There's an inner outlaw within everyone, I think. Uh, inner outlaw within everyone. But to finish my Nike point, the bit that really surprised me, and I think might have, was just the demand for the shoe. 
And, you know, Nike will never tell you how many they're making, but it seems like the demand is like 10 times the amount they made. So, That's you know, unfortunately, sick. there's a lot of disappointed people that never got the shoe. Well, you and you, I guess you can usually judge, right, by the, by the, the, the eBay market or the, the whatever, what, yeah. what they're going for. And they're right. going for a lot more than, than yeah. they cost uh, new, which is, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, on one hand it is, and of course you got all the enthusiasts that can't get the shoe. Well, of or, course, but like, want to spend four times retail. To of get course, it. and that's unfortunate. Yeah. But like, if you're talking about part one of a hopefully long, you know, partnership right. together, the fact that the demand has far outstripped the supply yeah. can only be seen as a good thing. I think so too. Yeah, yeah. I think Nike knows how to play that game. I've already got a couple of ideas for other art-inspired cars that I own that might make great shoes like the 914 and You've the got some fun colored cars. Like yeah. some, it's got some like real interesting interior and exterior yeah. combos that could be really fun. And when you start laying that out on a, on a shoe, a sneaker, mm -hmm. whether it's an SB or Jordan or Air Force One or whatever it may be, right? You know, it's kind of like for me, I like doing projects that are creative, and this one was a creative project. Yeah. What about going back to, like, you know, John Ward over at Icon is going deep into this leatherworking thing. Have you ever thought about doing s specific handmade pieces that are, like, you know, real avant-garde kind of things, or not really? I'm more wearable, functional stuff to me. You know, I've done, like, the uh, that type of thing back in the series days when we were designing stuff for Alice Cooper, for example, and it was more avant-garde and theatrical and stage wear. Yeah. For me, I'm all about comfort and usability. But, you know, I definitely like to collaborate with someone that's outside of the box that people thought, oh, I never saw that coming. Yeah. Because that's sort of how the Nike thing was. Yeah. No, that's it's Maybe really I should cool. talk to you and you guys down there well, at Birdwell been, or you've something. You've been like boots forever. For, you've been, you know, and now all of a sudden here's this sneaker. Yeah. That's like, whoa. It's not even like, hey, uh, by the way, Magnus is kind of getting into sneakers now. It's like boots, boots, boots. Your own sneaker. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's, a big a, jump. It's, a it's a big jump. It's a big leap. Yeah, I have cool. to say, though, if, if the sneaker wasn't comfortable, I wouldn't wear it because I'm still averaging 10,000 steps a day walking around. So for me, it has to be comfortable. And you have to be able to drive in it. So for me, I did a lot of manipulation to get it where it was broken in to begin with. You should have someone besides yourself test the drivability. You're calibrated to, like, fucking cowboy boots. You're <laughs> calibrated. Compared to what you normally drive in, like, flippers gotta, would be a good you, you be able, Ice skates would be an upgrade. <laughs> you got to be able to heel and toe and left foot break in anything, and then you I fly. checked. You, yeah, yeah, you can. You definitely can in these shoes, for sure. Yeah, they're it's not too cool. wide, but the toe box is not too wide either. You know, but not too narrow where they crimp your toes and stuff, so... They're comfy. There's they're, a lot involved nice, yeah. in having a, a piece of footwear that you can wear all day long. So that's yeah, the story. Good. And in case you're wondering, uh, folks out there, can you fit your uh, orthotics in them? The answer is yes. You've tried that. <laughs> you talked to Shoal Souls. Straight, I did. Yeah, yeah. I did. I get it. Uh, the next big thing. Next big thing. MBT. Season two just premiered. Haggerty. Yeah. Uh, episode, one, episode one was what? The AMG Merc five five sixty. The five hundred. Five hundred SEC. There it is, right there. Oh, which, look at that. Which was the uh, the factory hot rod. Yeah, the factory hot rod. This was an interesting story because that wasn't the choice car originally for my New York episode. What was the first choice? Well, it was extremely ambitious, which will explain why it didn't work. It was an Aston Martin Lagonda. Oh, yeah. And my well, 
so you don't have to explain why it didn't Well, work. the funny thing is we, we sourced two, two of them, and both were supposedly running driving cars, but literally the day before we were supposed to film, we got a word that neither one of them was running. But the original concept was British supercars that never really took off or never really made it to where they should have been. Sure. So it wasn't just the Aston Martin Lugano. It was my crazy buddy Phil, Mr. Enthusiast in New York, had just bought a Jag XJ220. Oh, yeah. So here's another iconic British supercar that really should be more well-known yeah. in the league of a 959 or an F40 because it's from that era. And back in the day, it did hold the Nürburgring lap time for a minute. What are they? Uh, they must be up in the threes and yeah, fours Yeah, I think now. that's entry level, yeah. Yeah, at least, right? Yeah, and he bought yeah. one from, I guess, the Cultivated Collector guy. You probably know him. Oh, yeah, Ivanhoe? Yeah, so yeah. that's where his car came from. Oh, he got it from Ivanhoe? Cool. I think so, yeah. 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 So the word yeah, is out now. One, we got one of his cars. You oh, see yeah. the Venturi 400 oh, down I here? Oh, I saw that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, Ivan, that's an Ivanhoe mobile, yeah. So, of course, this car wasn't ready either. It's on old tires, uh, you know, not available at tire rack you got to bring them in from england covid this brexit that you can't get tires in time and then of course it hasn't run in a long time so it'll drive around the block and fill out a shot of it driving through a burger king in new jersey something and this thing's good to go but no there's the one specialist somewhere in new england who's like the world's slowest mechanic Uh who can't replace a few hoses in time for episode one of the next big thing so the mercedes came in sort of very very last minute but uh ended up being a great the the story was it's pretty much the same. You know, I'm playing the Wall Street broker guy coming into the city, doing the city thing. But the car changed at the last minute. So that's but the story the behind episode one. <laughs> I mean, uh, Lagonda's, you know, sourcing two, obviously, is the correct move. Well, we thought, we thought three, that. We sourcing thought three would have really, <laughs> yeah. really been the I correct mean, does anyone move. have one that runs and drives? You know, that's one of those cars where I would love to find one and just drop an LS motor yeah, and yeah. a GM automatic gearbox. And be done in with it and cut all that electronic day, stuff. Get, everything, yeah. get rid of everything. I mean, it's amazing how prehistoric the electronics are in that for a 40 year old car. The CRT yeah. screens. But something was just they, awesome. They look so great. Yeah, I, I hate that they're not good because they look right. amazing. And that's a later one right there. The yeah, 91. that's a Series 3. Yeah. Yeah. The Series 1 from the 70s. I remember as a kid, I played this game called Top Trumps. Did you ever get Top uh-huh. Trumps, a card game about supercars? I knew. I know what it is because Jeremy Clarkson talked about it on Top Gear all the time. Yeah, so it comes in a pack like a card deck, and I don't remember how many cards there were, but of course there were stats, 0 to 60 horsepower, top speed, blah, blah, and you'd blah. And like, you would like drag race them with you each other. You kind of like, yeah, you put down your Countach against your 512 Boxer and yeah. see which one did 0 to 60 the quickest or Whatever it was. Yeah. And anyway, as a kid. Before I, forums. Yeah, yeah, before everyone knew everything on a forum and would give you their opinion on what's right and wrong, right? Yeah, before forums came around. But the, the you ended up filming that 500, which is a Euro car, right? Yes. We didn't actually get the 500 no, in America. A, that's a gray market one, yeah, 84. Was, was there, is there really a big difference between the 500 and like a 560? I don't know. You, I, didn't I, you, Hannah, had a 560, though? She had a 560 SL. But you, the engine. I mean, I always thought the 560 SL, we must have got like a rough one with a bunch of deferred maintenance because I never thought it was great. There wasn't a lot of head room. It wasn't fast. Maybe we just got a duff one and that's the car we ended up trading into the Rolls Royce. Right, but is this 500 fast? It's faster than the 560 was, but it's not about speed, that car. To me, it was all about style, right? And then when you see the wide body ones, like the really wide body ones. Like that one. 
That's a pre-merger yeah. AMG there you six go. liter. That's like a yeah. This one so wasn't super looking. fast. If you watch the episode, it bounces around quite a bit. The wheels are so good. Those five star yeah. monoblock eighties AMG wheels. They're so great. So what a the, lovely car. Yeah, and this was the last. Uh, the the backstory to the first episode was it was the last of the five episodes we shot in New York. So we started one in Boston, we did one in Brooklyn, we did one in New Jersey, two in Jersey, and one in the city. And this one was literally the very last night where the night before we'd shot Phil's uh, Ford Escort Cosworth and uh, Maserati Shamal in oh, New Jersey. The Shamal. Yeah, the Shamal. <laughs> I so, love the Shamal. So that was Friday night shoot that ended around 5 a.m. Friday night. This was Saturday night shoot that started at midnight and literally ended up about 9 a.m. on the Sunday. Yikes. So we did two back-to-back night shoots oh in and around God. New York. Must have been like Hollywood days, like like old-school, fully nocturnal. Well, it was, for me, I, I went and took a nap between like 6 p.m. and 11 p.m. <laughs> so when I got to set at like midnight, I was actually pretty refreshed. You get home and you're like, I have absolutely no idea what's going on right well, now. Well, you're kind of like in the twilight zone, you know, feeling like you're a zombie in the twilight zone. And then we had to get a flight back to L.A. later that same day. Oof. So, I really like those cars, though. Those That 500 SEC. That profile. It looks what, cool. What I think car. the episode came out great. It's super cinematic. What are these things worth now? I actually don't know. I, I, I didn't. I, I didn't look it up. I didn't do the search. Zach, do we know? I'll what else, what else is going to be the next great. big thing? So the Shamal. Did you enjoy driving the Shamal? Did the Shamal. The Shamal was another one that it was Phil's car. It, apparently, it works great now after we've shot it two months after. <laughs> you it, found out what was wrong with it. <laughs> Phil knew what was wrong with it, but he didn't have the time to fix it. The suspension was horrible. Mm. Like I'd get on it and you'd feel the back end drop down. I'd I'd hear the tire rubbing on the fender wall on the Jersey turn. Oh, bike God. and probably in the video I haven't seen the footage yet but I'm sure it's going to be bouncing around like a, a platypus nodding donkey oh that's so that's frustrating because it looks so good you I don't know how when how long it's been since I've seen a I mean you Shamal don't really see him but here's a here's kind of the weird thing I keep talking about my buddy Phil Mr. Enthusiast only because two of the cars are his and he just bought one and then it turns out I'm literally 200 yards from where I live in downtown LA in front of Cyoc one of them pulls out from that white apartment complex opposite Cyoc and there's a guy that's owned it for 13 years so that guy, that guy, I know. Okay. Because his he also other owns a car Ferrari. is a yellow 348 yeah. Spider that right. I rented on Turo oh, for the day. Oh, okay. And it runs nice. And yeah. he says, and I said, you know, what's it like to rent a 25-year-old Ferrari on Turo to strangers? He goes, it's nothing. My other car's a Shamal. Did he rent that as well? No. Okay. No, he doesn't. He And he and I was like, are you fucking for real? He's like, do you actually know what that is? Because if so, we're going to be friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they didn't make many of them, but it's not that rare because one lives 200 yards from where yeah, I Yeah, and apparently when you go to the pub and you go, hey, you know, I've got a Maserati Shamal at home, the ladies are not particularly no, no, no. impressed. No. They don't understand. But it's not, a great looking car. It does look great, yeah. Have you gotten a picture of a Maserati Shamal? Pull up the Zach, Shamal. It's, it, it's like the ultimate bi-turbo Evo. If you if there was a bi turbo yeah, Evo, boxy, that would super be super flared it. 80s. Um, so that's episode a number. Great looking little car. Is it Jajaro also? I think it is. I mean, yeah, because it's, it's, it's got it the Countach rear rear quarter flare. Yeah. See that? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like your Countach that profile yeah. there. The trapezoidal uh, there wheel arch. Trapezoidal. Yeah. What is that? Pythagoras's theorem or something? Like <laughs> no, it means the shape like a fucking <laughs> yeah. Trapezoid. I get it. It's yeah. a great looking little car actually. It is. I think this photo maybe doesn't even do it justice. No. 
Black. What color was was Phil? Black. Black. Go to Mr. Enthusiast. He put a photo of the rear quarter. He, he Is that just, Instagram? Mr. Enthusiast? Uh, on the ground, Mr. Yeah. Enthusiast. Um, he just plastic dipped the rear, uh, the wheels black as well, so it's black on black on black. It's a fucking great looking it's car. It's a cool car. It's funky. Yeah. It's like different. All right, so what else did you get to drive? Well, episode two, which we're just in the final edit process, even though that episode's coming out on Friday, and you guys know how it is editing, right? It's like, where's this shot? Where's that shot? Mm-hmm. Do we have sound here? Look at that. Uh, right. See, black yeah. and in person... Way better. Yeah. And look at Way it with, better. Look at it with the black wheels. Oh, black wheels too? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's the nose looks like a Lancia Delta Integrale. Right. Well, that, that was his other car. He had one of those oh, as well. That's, that's his ideal. If you, if you have had a Delta Integrale and you want to go even further into that weird rabbit hole, yeah. this is the next level of Strange for that's you. That's my buddy Phil. This will be like the Phil takeover. He's had all those Group B cars from Alancia Stratos to the 035 to... It looks like he has good taste in watches. Yeah, too. there's a big Apple Outlaw car, the old... Uh, yeah, so okay, blah, blah, so blah, next blah. after that was what? Uh, episode two is two Ferraris that I'm actually pretty interested in to own myself. One is a 355, last of the wedgie mm-hmm. era, and then the 360 beginning of the new flow year and they seem to be within 10 grand of each other affordable wise yeah so episode number two is those two cars back to back out in malibu if i had all the money i would have a 355 with a 360 renegade well, well, that's an interesting idea. Interesting. That's my take on the show. Not spoiler alert. No, that's, that's but funny, anyway, yeah. go, go ahead. You, I if was you had all say money? a spare powertrain so that when it had to go in for service, they could just there'd be no downtime. Just plop in the <laughs> so, other powertrain. So, so the, the hot front, swap like Tesla battery. I'm talking if I had big money, <laughs> right. like you know what I'm talking about, like yeah. enough money to. We're buy not talking about Kuntash money. We're talking about buy, big money. No, no, <laughs> Kuntash money is money that I can put in as long as I get back at least as much on the other end. Yeah, I'm yeah. talking about. Money I When's can the other end, though? That's a lifelong keeper. That's true. It probably is. But, but I'm talking about light on fire. I get money. it. Here's what I learned about the 355. It's a little bit like the Porsche 996 in the sense of with a Porsche, you can't have a conversation about the headlights and the IMS bearing issue, right? Yeah. With a 355, everyone's going to tell you about timing belt service, got to take the engine out. Yes. Now, having spoken to a few people that own them, I think they suffer from the case of people own them and never drive them, right? Yes. Then mm-hmm. they sell them. The new owner, Zach, over here buys it. He's got all this deferred maintenance. You've got to take the engine out. Yeah. I think the key with a 355 is like any car. If you keep it running and the fluid's going through, yeah. you're probably not taking that engine out quite as often as people say you are. Well, and so there's this mentality among collectors, and I know it doesn't happen to you, and I try to make it not happen to me, which is, so you buy that car. It needs the engine out, right? You do it, all right? Now you spend your, your ten or $15,000 at the engine out. You get it back. Now it's like, whoa, it's shiny, it's ready. Now you're, like, afraid. Afraid to drive it. <laughs> you're afraid to drive it's it. Is this you in the 328? No, because I... But this is what you did, right? Engine out? My math... I didn't. You don't have a transverse engine, okay. so it doesn't have to come out, thank God. But we did do the whole major service. But I determined that, that I wasn't going to try and make money. Don't care about that. I was going to try to lose less than if I had bought myself an equivalently priced new car and took a depreciation hit. And so it's like, if you bought a... E-Class Mercedes, new off the lot, and drove it for three years, you'd lose $30,000, $35,000, $40,000. Am I going to drive $40,000 of value out of this 328? Not a chance. No. So I bought it, did the, bought it cheap, did all the maintenance, did all the stuff, and drive it 
don't even care, and the math math comes out just great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never look at things that way. I just buy what I like. But that does make me think about what I drove here in. In a, a water-cooled car. The 991 Turbo S. Does it have like a zillion miles it's on got, it? It's now got 165,000 miles on it. When I bought it, it had 162. And what year is it? 2014. So someone put 160,000 miles on this car in, in seven six, years? Seven years? Yeah. What do they do with it? Apparently the guy commuted from like Newport Beach to Beverly Hills, so it's just freeway miles. It's not like four bros thrashed the crap out of it going it's up one to owner? One owner car came with 50 <laughs> pages of receipts. This guy had replaced the transmission two years ago when it had 120,000 miles on it. I guess he didn't use the brakes. He just downshifted through the transmission to slow down. So anyway, so I was not looking for a 991. To me, it's like a new appliance. Is it still within range of extended warranty? Well, it's, I'll tell you the story. I actually I actually got something done on the warranty and it was replaced. But the point of my story is I was looking for a 991, 997 Turbo. Couldn't really find one. Then my buddy Paul Kramer Auto Kennel goes, hey, I've got something coming in, 991 Turbo. I said, oh, I'm not really interested. It's PDK, it's a sunroof, blah, blah, blah. He told me how many miles were on it, and he said it had a sticker price of $193,000. Uh-huh. 193. Yeah. Seven years ago. Uh-huh. I bought it for pennies on the dollar. Uh-huh. Pennies on the dollar. Because no one wants one of those cars with that many miles on it. But to me, you guys have seen, I, I think doesn't look any different to doesn't, ones that yeah, have got 50,000 miles I want to go, I want to peek around the interior when, when we're done. Yeah, I'm, peek around I'm curious there. to see how the seats look. But yeah, go on. So I think that's the most highest mileage 997 tur- 991 Turbo S in the country. I, I haven't heard of one with more. So I think the story really is about the prior owner who put all the miles on For it. For sure. Was delivered to Walter's Porsche in Riverside. He's the original owner. So I want to track that guy. Did you meet the original Never owner? met him. It was on consignment at Auto Kennel. I bought it within a day of I feel like it Paul going could up. set that up. Yeah, so I think maybe we make a, yeah. a, a show, or a video, a program, a film, whatever you call it, about the highest mileage Turbo S. I mean, look, if you had a 50-mile commute each way every day, you could do it in worse cars, couldn't you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, when I first got it, it was... It was almost anticlimactic. I didn't regret buying it, but I didn't get out of it looking at like looking over my shoulder going, I just can't I'm in love with this thing. And it wasn't until Hannah drove Hannah and I drove to Moab for that Easter Jeep Safari. Uh, we took the scenic route back, did eight hundred miles, twelve hours in the car, and we got out not feeling beat up. Yeah. Not rattled. And I thought that's where this car excels. It's as quick as you wanna go up the crest because the road will determine how fast you can go. But if you want to drive five, six hundred miles or a thousand miles in a day, you can do that in, in comfort. Does what about stuff like like shocks and bushings and stuff like that? Like where it's like where the miles is is so incongruous with the age. How do you determine when that kind of stuff needs replacing in that car? I guess when it gets irritatingly squeaky and you know, <laughs> rattly and you know it doesn't seem fair to handle enough. quite as good. Mm-hmm. I, you know, fair, fair. I haven't made but it. Pennies that on far. the dollar. Pennies Fuck on it. the dollar is a thing because I think a lot of people get afraid of putting miles on cars, right? So when I bought it and I realized, okay, this is a keeper for me, I started looking kind of like you're doing here and seeing what the average mileage one was. And it was probably twenty to 30,000 miles was the average yeah. on a 2014 Turbo S. And the average price was like 110, 120. So they are still six-figure cars yeah, unless yeah. you find one with you know, that many miles on it. I mean, that's it's your kind of car, for sure. It makes it interesting, because otherwise that car's not interesting enough for you, right? Yeah, I mean, I've toyed with trying to add my personality to it, because... Yeah, you'd have to paint it like some fucking yeah, crazy... Yeah, and then part of me doesn't want to do that, because it, it just really blends in. It's crazy it is to say that car blends in. In LA, it does. Yeah. It's in the rollout color, that erodium silver metallic with a red interior, which, not my choice, but... 
It's kind of like I'm almost undercover in that car. Yeah, in a you, weird way. that car in this town is not going to get a second no. look. It's it sounds a little sorry if I sound like elitist, but that's what this town is. I mean, a seven year old Porsche yeah. is not going to turn ahead here. It, I mean, sorry. some things on a streetcar are impractical about it though. Centerlock wheels, like why does it need that? Right? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, motorsport theater. Yeah, uh, motorsport but I, I do. I when I talk to uh, to Guy Fieri about his car collection. At a certain point, he was like, bro, I don't buy yellow cars anymore. I don't, no convertibles, no yellow cars. Sunday you know, he's just, yeah, he's just, he's like, he said he wanted people to look at him when he was nobody. Now that he's somebody, he doesn't want, want anybody, anybody looking at him, at him yeah. all the, when he's in his car, you know. One of my favorite vehicles to drive, and because we just bought this house and we're making all these trips here, there, and everywhere, my 2002 Chevy van. Chevy van? Yeah, because you just, first so, of all, you know, you go to Home Depot, it's practical, <laughs> you can put a bunch of stuff in it. When we went to the Malibu Cars and Coffee on 4th of July, you saw how many cops were out. Right they let you park. Right no, is anyone looking at you now? <laughs> Chevy van when you go to Malibu Cars and Coffee? Here no, this is, is the greatest we thing have, about it. We have a hack for that, too. I'm so excited about this. The cops were being such such shit bags to my wife and she was about where about not being able to park oh, a Malibu. totally regular car uh, in a in up there in a shopping mall yeah and but the fucking EV chargers oh. are behind the barricades oh, and so they got, wave this yeah. Tycon right oh, by and I was like oh, oh I see oh, oh, we're bringing the Mach-E yeah, <laughs> we're go. bringing the Mach-E next time and we're gonna, how are you liking the Mach-E it's delightful it's an it's an appliance. Right. It is. It's a toaster oven. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, that's kind of what that is. It, it, it is a, a soulless way. appliance, but uh, at doing appliance things, it is exceptional. Okay, so it it's is, good. It's exceptional at appliance. It's things. a good toast maker. For sitting in traffic, yeah. it's great, man. It really is. The stereo fucking bangs, you know, banging Olsen. <laughs> it's, it's got a great big trunk. The radar cruise is amazing. It's, gr it's great. I like it a lot. How's the Countach in traffic? How was that on uh, Father's Day, you know, from the previous so you, you, you have to separate here. Yeah. How's the car? Yeah. How's the driver? Okay. Okay, yeah. <laughs> the car is fine. Fine. Totally fine. The driver is having an anxiety. You're stressing out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Are you getting hot in there? Are you sweating in no, there? No, I, so I started uh, <laughs> I started the thing blasting the air conditioning, yeah. and it was fine for the first... This was where he, what, what Magnus is asking about. is There was a Father's Day drive from the Peterson Museum to Rodeo. Is the, it Rodeo or Rodeo? What is it? South of Jefferson is okay. Rodeo. Okay, that's okay. from Entourage. I didn't okay. make that up. but That's a good <laughs> one. It's like the Fukuyama episode, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> so it was like seven or eight miles lapping around Beverly Hills. And they pitch it as, oh, they're shutting the lights down. Yeah, yeah. So this wasn't the Million Million. I figured it was... I figured it was somewhere between Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and Millie Millia. But it was much <laughs> closer to Macy's Thanksgiving. Yeah. Like, it was literally five miles. It took an hour and 25 minutes to go the seven miles. That's true. And people on the side of the road were losing their shit, and everyone was having a great time. I was surprised how many people were lining the route, a actually. A lot. I was surprised by that. It was that. a lot. Um, and the car, the Countach itself, was fine. Normally, if the thing, the temperature is right at the middle of the thing, at one point, after cranking the air conditioning, going nowhere for an hour, it crept up to like the two-thirds mark, never got to the three-quarters, and certainly never got to the red. But at the two-thirds mark, I killed the air conditioning. Got it. That was it. And I just was like, I guess 
You're going to sweat it out. I guess we're here. not having air conditioning now yeah. because I don't want this to get hotter. That's but when we open the doors, all right? That's when we open the doors. Yeah. Exactly. I was like, <laughs> I was like, fucking doors up, and people. The doors look cool. It look cool, and so um, the car is the car's fine. And there's real dude. Seriously, if you're moving at all, at all. It's fine. It's normal. It's great. And if you're moving fast, it's the best thing. Ever. Okay. It's the next big thing. The next big say. thing. You know, I did drive that car before you owned it. I know. When, when Mr. When, Barney's Beanery got in I know. There. Every You was the village bicycle before yeah. I fucking saved it. I had it we, in the, We drove it before you owned it. I drove it before <laughs> I owned it. We filmed it. <laughs> he owned a couple of other cool cars, I recall. He had mm-hmm. a Pantera. He had something else. He had uh, a very... He had the Corvette of that all the Corvette. name... The word survivor was coined okay. for cars okay. about his car. He had what? the very first survivor Corvette. What year was that? 67 okay. Tri-Power. Okay. Yeah, tuxedo black. The year I was born. It sold for strong money at Barrett, and then he had that Pantera, which yeah, I drove. I drove that too. Amazing. That Pantera. I always wanted a Pantera. That Pantera sealed the deal for me that stock Panteras are good. Yeah, yeah. And that they don't need some giant- GT5 Delta Wing <laughs> body kit in white. <laughs> well, they don't Nas need a big, a big cam hot rod yeah, engine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, big cams are not good in traffic in any car, it seems. Well, what was so nice about that Pantera was it had this mild cam that made it rev Usable. almost like a European-style engine, yeah. not like a hot roddy engine. Right. And that was so cool. I don't know. It was really nice. It's all he about the good, cam profile, right? And he had a very low profile, sure. a low uh, low mileage 92 Viper that was like the 30th or 35th Viper ever made or something. Yeah, ECR. Yeah, ECR oh, yeah. yeah, he had a yeah. bunch of, he had a bunch, he kept some stuff. He had to, he offloaded like three or four cars, including mine, and he kept uh, some other things. Did you ever want but, a Viper? I always wanted a Viper. I'm all of a sudden turning the corner on 92s and 93s. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, I'm like, wait, are they cool? They might be cool. Season one, next big thing. You know, they're cool, right? They are is cool. It, is it yeah. is an early Viper on it? Yeah. Did you enjoy GTS? it? Well, this was a later Viper. It was a last-gen Viper that Busy Moto owned, but I enjoyed oh, it. Oh, the like, blue one or black one? Black, or black, black one, yeah. They're, those cars, they're, they didn't sell very well new, but then immediately were worth over sticker, the last-gen cars, instantly. I have a buddy that bought a GTS back in the day when they first came out, whatever year that was, 94, 95, something like that. Racing stripes. I've always liked them. Always liked them. They're they're cool. I drove I drove a GTS once and I didn't I didn't love driving it. And, that was his right there in the blue and white. And uh, and uh, I liked the newest one a lot, but it it I never wanted to own one really. Our friend Vinny is really really into them, um, but all of a sudden I'm t- there's there's a guy in Marina del Rey who's got one. Is he the guy that you post driving around the roadster? With yeah, one hundred ninety five thousand yeah. miles on it. And it doesn't look like your Porsche. <laughs> What's that guy's story? Is he the original owner? I I don't know, but he's I've seen him for at least ten years, driving that, that same, same car. car. Yeah, so no power on no car. That's what the kids I say. I've never been able to. St- I've seen him driving and I've seen it parked, but yeah. I've never actually seen him standing okay. around it to stop and, and talk. He's to not him. in Malibu at the cars and cars. No, no, it's just his car. He's not like. I don't think he's an enthusiast or he's anything. He's like, like Californication. He just does. It really is like yeah. the, like David Duchovny's Porsche <laughs> in Californication. So there's another dude in, in Venice who's got a R129 Mercedes SL that is so fucked and visibly deteriorating like by the month yeah but he's still still just, driving it he's driving he wears a suit 
Oh, nice. And he's smoking a cigar. Dressing he, for the, like he, Columbo He's here. driving it like it's a brand new SL, you gotta, but it's just smashed in and just fucked, and I just love this guy. That's big dick energy that's right so now. great. <laughs> One of my favorite cars I will say that I drove on the next big thing was um, Irv Gordon's 3.2 million mile Volvo P1800. Get the fuck out of here. You drove it? Apparently, I'm the first oh, guy cool. that drove it no since way. he unfortunately passed away. Who owns it? Volvo USA owns it. So to backtrack on that story, I met him probably, I guess he passed in 2018, 2019. I met him, I don't know, six, seven years ago, ironically in downtown LA on my street. He was shooting a commercial for Volvo. With his car? With his car. So the story of his car, 1967, it's the Guinness Book of World Records, highest mileage, privately owned, non-commercial car. Mm -hmm. 3.2 million miles on it. Supposedly, engine's been rebuilt two or three times. When I met him, it had 2.8 million miles on it. But back in the 70s, Volvo started tracking high mileage cars through the dealer maintenance records. Okay. And he was another guy, kind of like my Turbo S guy. Drove, commuted. He was a school teacher in New York and had like a 100-mile commute each day and racked these miles up pretty quickly. And by the late 70s, it had a million miles on it. Mm-hmm. And then he started doing events with Volvo because talk about a good brand endorsement, yeah. a car that had a million miles on it. Now it's two. Now it's 3.2. So we shot an episode in New Jersey with that car with Irv's original mechanic who'd worked on the car for oh, like awesome. the past 30 years. And Volvo USA owns that car, and that's a pretty cool shoot. It rained that day, and the production company was, oh, it's raining, it's going to suck. I'm like, no, this is going to make the shoot better. It'll look awesome. We got wipers going and mist and, you know, spray coming up. Yeah, lots of action. How was it to drive? I really liked it. I drove a couple of them. One was like a a factory-restored version, which wasn't nearly as good as his, where everything was just kind of slick and seats were sagging and, you know, had character, and I'm all about character. So uh, it's not the fastest car. Steering's kind of vague. It shifted great, but uh, it was kind of an emotional event or day for me because having met the guy before uh-huh. when he was still around and then got to drive that car, which is a pretty special car. So that, that's, Super special car. Yeah. That's, a, that's a cool one. Yeah, and of course, you know, if you're, if you're familiar with the Saint, Roger Moore, Simon Templer, you know, he drove that car back in the day. Oh, Sorry. We got, we, we got a, number I, four adjustment again. No, what's happening is- You got some I, b- big I shoes? A, I kicked a wire, and oh, the wire tugged it the camera. I how, how many cameras you got here? Five. This is quite the setup. Yeah. But, and they're, and they're, not, they're wireless, but they have power supplies, uh, and power. I, got and it, I got kicked it. one. Yeah, be careful what you kick. I your show. You kick, was... you kick whatever you want. But anyway, you know, that was a great car for me to drive. The, the one strange thing about that shoot that day is the car ran out of fuel. No big deal. But it had been transported there by Volvo USA in a 40-foot transporter. Do you think they had a five-gallon can of gas with them? <laughs> oh, no. Do you think they did? No, they didn't. Oh, God. You'd have called AAA. Uh, uh, what do you got? I got a three million mile Volvo. Yeah. Can you bring some gas? And it was, you know, torrent. And I'm talking torrential, torrential uh, yeah, downpour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sucks. It ran out of gas. <laughs> and of course, we hadn't quite finished shooting. You're going for just You're one more run. The light and, yeah, oh, it's boy. raining, ran out of gas. I'm like, you guys don't have gas? It's a checklist now. You know, if you get to season three, I have a checklist on. Jerry can. We need cars that are, you know, full of gas, cars that are not on 14-year-old tires. Oh, yeah. I shoot an episode, episode three, Hack Mechanic, uh, M Coupe, BMW. Uh Tires are 14 years old. Get the fuck out of here. We find that out after the fact. Yeah, that's not good. That's not good. I don't know if you guys have a checklist. I'm such a dick about that, too. Do you check it now, though? With cars I drive, if I ever drive a personally owned car, absolutely. That's the first But I'm a shithead about it with my friends' cars. 
cars too. Yeah. I have a friend uh, who bought a, a Diablo, and he took it to the, he he bought it. And the first time I saw the thing, it was in the canyons, and I was like, oh wow, look at this! Wow, you got this oh, Diablo the SV. Is that the oh, red one? The red one, Paul. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's fucking tires are. 2003? There you go. Fuck! 18-year-old tires. I I shamed him into immediately getting new tires. That's the first thing you should get. But I was like, oh, please don't die today. What tires you run on the Countach size? Uh, Oh, God. Let's see. I believe it's a 205 5514 front and a 345 or 355 5514. 15. 15 rear. Well, a 205 55 14. Yeah. That's something so you put ridiculous. on a mini. It's so ridiculous. I mean, if like, <laughs> if if uh, if the Countach owning lobby wasn't powerful enough influence at Pirelli, well, you'd fucking know none of these the cars would ever have tires again. That runs on Pirellis? Yeah, and they're new, they're brand new, okay. and they make them look like the Vintage old. They make them look like the old tires. So they have, they have two compound. options. Uh, what I have are the ones that look old but have new rubber, and they have the non-traditional that's just a modern tire where the sidewall looks vintage, okay. but the tread Different is tread modern. Okay. And apparently those are like amazing, and I may try them next. But next. I'm happy with these. I'm glad this, they make them. It's. Do you have a Diablo on the list? That wasn't my poster. Yeah. I think, like, if we're talking about the next big thing, yeah. I think they're undervalued in the market. And I and when I see them out, I'm like, ooh. <laughs> what is a market for a Diablo? An early car, and like a 91, 92 with the double stack cluster and the pre VT is probably like maybe on un, probably under two twenty five okay. still. VTs are like two fifty. Roadsters are in the threes and then you start to get into the fours and fives for the six o's the six o's are like much much nicer that's some holy grail stuff yeah and and as they get newer which ones have power steering i heard those early ones are kind of heavy without 91s don't Uh, 91 92s don't they added power steering in 94 or 5 what is the entry level lamborghini then is that like a gallardo now you, oh yeah, Gallardo's like fucking eighty grand if you want a cheap one. They're, they they get pretty cheap. Yeah, uh, nothing with a V twelve is cheap, but you can get V ten cars. Yeah. You know, early like you don't want an 04 even if it's free. But like oh five oh sixes, Gallardos are probably like eighty five ninety grand. Get okay. you a decent one. Yeah, that's probably the entry unless you wanted like. A Jalpa? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A Spada. You want to fuck with a Jalpa? I would. Like I wouldn't mind a Jalpa. You would look good in a Spada. I drove one season one. We did this spot. Did you drive like, Aaron Robinson's car? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was like driving a track, uh, like driving a pickup truck. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I drove down the 308 GT4 back to back, and the 308 GT4 was just seemed super nimble. Yeah. And neither one was fast, but the Sparta was cool. Got shitloads of attention, but wasn't necessarily fun to drive. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It's a big, it's a big car. You know, yeah. just the fact that it has a V12 doesn't inherently it's, make it. No, it didn't make it fast, but it sounded good. Yeah. yeah these these early Diablo, these early Diablo are are undervalued still and eventually will catch up. It's sort of the opposite of the Countach, like the the earlier the Countach, like kind of the more desirable yeah, yeah. it is, the late it's flip-flopped with what Diablos. What yours? Mine's an 88. Okay. So mine is the last the last year before they switched to the anniversary okay. and started adding all that weird shit. And then shit. what was the first year? 74. Oh, no. They made those things for LP 16 years. So what wh- 2000 cars in 16 years. What is a periscope? 74. What's that worth? Oh, a mil to a mil two. Oh, nutty. But they made 170, 
105 of them, I think, or 174. That's pretty rare. They're very, they're very rare. I've never driven a really early narrow-body car. I would really like to. I do like the quirky look of that right there. Jalpa's cool, man. They're they're pretty. It's like what? a Lamborghini Pantera, a little bit, yeah. a little bit of one it's, it's a Lamborghini 328. Is yeah, basically what it is. The transverse V8, and the V8 is just eight cylinders of the 12. They right. just cut off four it's of the two cylinders. Thirds by my it's two thirds. <laughs> <laughs> I'll check that later. Yeah, check those facts later. Get out your calculator. And two then three. here's here's some more math to to get from that to a Chazeta V16. They just doubled up the oh, V8, the, the Lambo V8, yeah. to make it a V16. It's like, oh boy, that's kind of a crazy cop. Pull that one up. The 16? Yeah. We were just talking about that on the last uh, show, because uh, there's going to be one for sale at uh, Monterey. Um, at Monterey. Are you going yeah. up there? I don't know. Are you? Yeah, I'm going up. You have up. a gig, or are you going for fun? I'm always going for fun. You know, these, Well, weirdly you should say that, Haggerty's asked me to do some stuff there, and one oh, of them cool. is a fireside chat at the quail. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to reach out to someone later on this week. Uh, might be a little out of the box uh, thinking, but yeah. For, to, for you to host a chat with a as yet unidentified yeah. guest at the quail. Basically, Haggerty said to me, you know, we're doing some activation. Would you be interested in yeah. doing a meet and greet at the track? I'm like, sure, I'll be at the track, because the historics to me is one of the best bits yeah, of car week. Rules, yeah. And they said, what else are you doing there? I go, I'm up there for, I don't know, four or five days kicking around. They go, how about we have you host a fireside chat at the quail, which I'll was kind two, of funny. two passes to the quail, <laughs> yeah, please. exactly. <laughs> I once drove right into the quail. Funny story with Alex <laughs> from Sharkworks. I'm in 277, so it's, I don't know, 2014, 2015. And we're heading to the Porsche's entrance, which is literally next to the quail. But we came in from the south side, so we literally drove into the quail. Someone tried to stop us. Of course, I just drove around. And we parked. And we were parking there to walk to. Uh, the Porsche's entrance and then we realized fuck we're in the quail we're in the show we're, we're, we're in the quail so of course we just kept walking around the quail and we, and act that as was if it. bro act yeah. as if that was completely it completely it that's hilarious so, did you ever watch the video of the car bros when they drove their fake terrible Enzo replica and they registered it for the quail and drove they got all the way past oh, two yeah, security yeah, guards yeah. Because this it, sounds great. Because already. whoever whoever gave the credentials away didn't know anything about cars online, so of they course. just went, "Sure, Enzo, great." And then when they pulled up to the first line, the person looked at the car and looked at the car, it's and they Fiero. went, "Okay, says Enzo, that says Enzo, okay." And they finally got to like the last guy, and the last guy looks, and he just walks up and he's like, "What's going on here?" But they, let, but they let him park. They let him join because they're like, "Look, you got so far. Yeah. They let you register. This is hilarious," and they let him park there. Oh, they, oh, they let him stay. Yeah, they did. Great That's video. very funny. Video, but great video. That is very funny. Are you a fan of the quail? I mean, there's cool I cars. That there. seems like a very loaded question. <laughs> Straightforward I, question. Am I a fan of the quail? Uh, of the quail event, the mo- not the golf course, but the event um, that happens during well, Monterey Car Week. I mean, look, I understand the tickets are extremely expensive and hard to get, and it's a kind of a thing to get in. To yeah. get in, uh, I've never personally had to pay to go. I found it to be a nice event. Yeah, yeah. I cars. show up, I go in. There's oysters and champagne and nice car. <laughs> there's Christian von Koenigsegg and like, yeah. ah, hey, all right, you know, Jim Glickenhaus and yeah. uh, you and Leno and everyone seems to be there. And it's kind of dope. Yeah, but like, it's I a short know. event though. It seems to be done early, right? You know, yeah. it seems like it's over by three. But if I paid a thousand bucks to go, would yeah. I feel like I got my money's, money's worth? worth? Like, I don't know. You got to eat a lot of caviar or whatever <laughs> oh, it is you're serving there. Right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> But anyway, back to Monterey, I mean, uh, 
Are you interested in the auctions here? Yes, right. I am interested. I'd like to go. I, I, is this a keep your finger on the pulse thing? Or kind of. And I, and I, you know, and I, 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 like, the, I like the traffic jams there. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I yeah. like to, you know, I like to hop on a bicycle and just ride around in traffic and just see That's what I see. That's actually a smart I mean, way to get around. Cause the, dude, Dan Neal had them drop a fucking Vespa off at his, at his Airbnb oh, up there, there once, a press Vespa. That's like genius. Uh, yeah. Um, I it's think slow it, it moving. is cool. Yeah, it is, but it, 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 it's an unbelievable thing to see and right. be a part of. and, and A good assortment of cars. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Zach, do we have a bunch of questions to get to? Yeah, let me yeah, sort, right, you can sort them up. But the, yeah. um, and all the industry folks and whatnot. But I don't, it's, I, I don't, I just can't justify it as a What about Goodwood Festival of Speed? When that's all that a, just that's happened. the bucket list Have shit. you gone to that? Never. <clears throat> you? Yeah, I was there a couple of years ago. I've done Revival, which is the, you know, it's like being in the Twilight Zone yeah, in Dad's yeah. Army at a racetrack, dress dressed up. And I'm not the guy that dresses up for Halloween, so I'm like, oh, I don't want to dress up. I ended up going like as Mick Fleetwood from the 60s or something. So it wasn't too much of a stretch, but I was in costume. Yeah, you could, but, I mean, you don't have, that's what I'm saying, you could pretty much just do a hippie version yeah, of yeah. yourself. that's kind of what I did. <laughs> the people that are not dressed up are the ones that stand out because it literally feels like you've been transported back to 1950s Britain. That's what I learned by, by going to uh, uh, Oktoberfest. Okay, yeah, I yeah. felt I was like, I don't want to buy later hose, and that's yeah, yeah. dumb. And then I we we did it. We bought the later hose the and the spirit. whole thing. And then when we got there, I was like, thank God we are wearing yeah, this later hose because exactly. I feel dumb as hell without this stuff on. You know? Yeah, man. I would love to go. Goodwood, dress up. Do yeah, the yeah. I would, the I would dress up for Goodwood. The revival is everything because it's all big bands from the 50s and 60s, swing music. You walk into, you know, the store, right, to buy whatever, a coffee. It's in a cup that looks like it's from the 50s. Is it five cents? No, it's not five <laughs> cents, of course. See, that's it's England. It's good. What I mean, everything's period, but the prices. Oh, they're adjusted for inflation. Yeah, there you go, adjusted for inflation. But it's this environment that I, having lived in America for so long, I, I'd forgot when I went there in 2014 just how the Brits do pantomime. They put on a show, you know, and everywhere you went was literally like being in the twilight zone, and you get immersed in that. And it doesn't really happen anywhere else in the world. And then Festival of Speed's like a completely different thing. It's like a lot more mod. It's all modern. Yeah, yeah. It's more corporate, it's a little like, more ostentatious. No, you don't, go, you don't find a car renaissance fair a lot of places. <laughs> if you've gone to the renaissance <laughs> fair out there at Glen Helen Blockbuster Pavilion or whatever it is, I have. San Bernardino, <laughs> that's kind of like what uh, Revival is at yeah. a racetrack. Seems fun. On the yeah. East Coast, renaissance fairs were like a big Ren thing fair. back in the day. <laughs> Get yeah, on a court jester hat. Yeah. yeah. The radio commercials were fucking incessant. Does that one still happen out here? I don't know. The one I went to was back was in the it East back Coast. East thing? Yeah. If, I mean, if, if there's one here, went, you probably know about it. Two years ago? Two years ago? I, I, have, I have friends at work Somebody here. Yeah, I got the biggest hangover I'd had in 10 years because I drank- What were you drinking? Mead. Because that's oh, all they mead. sell. Yeah. Mead. <laughs> Is that refreshing? Sorry, mead. It's delicious and refreshing. And then the next day and the day after that, oh, you were like- Day after that? I, it carried over till the, the morning after. Oh, boy. What is mead again? Uh, it's like beer-ish, right? No, it's just, it's super sugary wine. It's like sweeter wine. I don't know what it's made from, but they- Does it come in a box? It comes in- no, they serve in like, like, a, like a plastic pint. <laughs> but what they do is they they, they give you the mead and you have to start drinking from it. You know, like the, the barmaids with yeah. like the boobs pushed up. So they, they have you drink from it while they hold it and then they pour more oh mead boy. in while you're oh chugging boy. and oh they don't God. stop until you just cough and oh. can't. And then, so now you've just drank two. This is drunk giant, people yeah. things here. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> one is two at the Renaissance. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Two for one, but oh, do you regret it? But it's fun. Were you wearing the tights and the, and the hat? And no, everything? I went normal, but my friends all like work and sing there and they're so all dressed up and talking. They're and, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's cool. And then you can throw knives and oh, do whatever. Yeah. Put it on the list. 
What's uh, speaking of lists? What's uh, what's on on your list? I, I, I'm tapped out for buying cars for a while. What about yourself? Well, I went on my little uh, Rule Britannia two plus two automatic E-Type Jag Quest last year. Uh-huh. I got a Series 2, Series 3. The one I'm kind of excited about, the Series 3 V12, it's got all this perfectly blue, cracked up patina. Wait, but didn't you buy two in order to have one working one? Yes and no. <laughs> yes and no. I bought the Series 2 because it was a running driving car and it seemed too nice and didn't have the patina. Then my buddy Alan Miami said, I've got the car for you. It had been out in the Miami sun and rain and it had this perfect leather-looking patina and it ran, sort of. So the goal there is a five-speed gate rag manual conversion from from the automatic and that's what that's like what they use right that's not reinventing the wheel right to put that five speed like if you wanted to convert an e-type from automatic to manual well, that's uh, just what you do right? originally back in the day they were four speed so it's right. not quite what they do but it's the modern interpretation of what they do kind of a little bit like the silver sow silver pig mercedes uh-huh. amg they've done modern components in that retro body style so the i, I suppose the, the idea really is modern performance from a gate rag five or six speed and approximately 400 horsepower to the V12 and then redo all the underpinning suspension bushings and stuff but keep all the messed up patina can you have that engine make that power without doing major stuff you this various levels to get it there but yes you the short answer is yes you can yeah how reliable it is, time will tell. <laughs> but you know, it's like 400 horsepower today is nothing, right? But in an E-type Jag, well, 400 horsepower natu- is yeah, plenty. that's a that's a 2,500-pound car. I mean, it yeah. like doesn't weigh shit. Right, for sure. So that's kind of, you know, the new goal there. I was just reading Sam Smith's E-type piece mm-hmm. in this month's Haggerty magazine. Is that the Drivers Club magazine? Yeah. You get that? I do. Okay. Do you want a copy? I have an extra. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you one with me. Well, I get it to my house, and then I get it to okay. the shop, so I get I All have right. two. But uh, But... I read that piece. What year was his like, E-Type? How much of these things again? Uh, he wasn't driving his. He was driving a friend's, but okay. it was it was a 4.2 uh, right. two-seat coupe, okay. and it was beautiful. And whoever took the photos for that mag- for that uh, article, I don't know who it was, but it was excellent. And uh, Let me see if I can find a photo of my first E-Type right here. I love the coupes, man. Well, that's the, what I the, had. I had a Series 1, 67. I'm just, you and I, I think we're too tall for the roadsters. We look a little weird yeah, with for our me, bodies I, sticking so far above the windshield. Well, that's it for me. Uh, plus, you know, too much wind in the hair, blowing around, that type of stuff. I don't have that problem. You don't have that obviously. problem. Obviously. Aerodynamic. Aero. Look at that. <laughs> Hold on. Bear with me. I'm scrolling. E-type Jag. Where is it? The, um, I, have you driven any of those, like, one of those Eagle things or anything? No, the Eagle E-type. I didn't no, drive an Eagle, but I, I drove haven't. like a knockoff Eagle, and it was fucking crazy, actually. Magnus is the first person I've filmed with where the, the host shows up with a jumper box in their car. Oh, with, that was with, with the Peterson. Rock, rocking the white car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in the white and, car. I mean, to your credit, you that, it every time when you jumped check it, that, but out. that was funny. Oh, that was my wow, 67. That's a, yeah, that's series a red, red Series 1 coupe yeah. looking good. Red that's a 3.8? No, well. It's a, or it's a 4.2. So later 4.2. The 3.8 went from 61 to 64, non-synchro box. 64 through 67 Series 1, okay, 4.2. With synchros. With synchros. You definitely want synchros. Yeah. Synchros but are yeah, good. That was when that's they, very pretty. That was when there were 20 grand cars. Yeah, wow. Sam Back drove in the one 90s. just like that that was black. Okay. And it was fabulous looking. And that car is probably 100 grand now. Yeah, probably. Yeah. But entry level, you want to get into an E-Type 2 plus 2 automatic, you can pick them up in the teens. I'm not shocked. Yeah. But they don't run great. Is it? 
Well, the teens. Is it worthwhile to just buy it for the body and chassis and sort well, your own power? Well, that's essentially out, what I did with the yeah, V12 one. Yeah. It was a running driving car in the teens. Yeah, that's awesome. So it'll. I'm trying to do that on a budget without going too far down the slippery slope. I mean, who's going to do it? You are. Do, are you going to do it in house? No, there's a guy called Ari, English dude, West Coasty type guy. He seems to be the the specialist in that. I'm I'm talking to him. You know, it's good when it's like it's not the names of shops. It's like one <laughs> human's name. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, Moss Motors seems to be the go-to parts supplier. That's XK's Unlimited uh-huh. merged into Moss Motors. Oh, that was XK's Unlimited? Yeah, XK's Unlimited. It used to be in San Luis Obispo. Uh He's now got bought out and he's part of Moss Motors. Oh, cool. They pretty much got a whole catalog of stuff you may or may not need for one. Oh, good. I mean, there's plenty of ropey ones around. I looked at a few at Beverly Hills Car Club that were in the teens and had no floors and stuff like that. So, (laughs) you know, you, you do have to be a little careful. About yeah, the touch. term mechanically sound is used uh, loosely from time yeah, to time. Yeah, Flint, Flintstone type of car <laughs> right, for right, sure. Right, right, yeah. But I mean, I, it's hard to deny the appeal. I mean, especially of a, a fucking coupe. I mean, they just look, they look yeah. and sound so good. They do. I mean, my Series 1, that was a car I bought in the 90s, flew up to Sacramento. I'd cash in a backpack. I bought a round-trip round ticket, but I ended up buying the car. Drove it from Sacramento back to downtown. This was like 94. Made it all the way within quarter of a mile of my loft at the time, and basically the clutch went out on the car. And the car had supposedly been restored, <laughs> and that was like entry level to E-type Jag ownership, slippery slope. Then we solved the overheating problem with a bigger dual fan radiator. But every time we'd, we'd park the car for a year and we'd say, "Why don't we drive this car? It looks so great." And then we'd go drive it, and then we'd quickly realize why we don't drive it all the time. Oh, so I think the funny. story with an E-Type is probably like anything. It's probably like the 355 I was talking about earlier. I think they have to be driven and well-maintained yeah. and well-set up. It's like the famous story about, you know, when they drove to the Geneva Auto Show in 1961, they did 150 miles an hour. That yeah. was not a stock car. <laughs> you know, if you drive one in stock form, they're kind of squirrely. They get nosedivey. Yeah. They're a little squirrely. You have to stiffen them up. Well, that was the other half of Sam's story. One was how nice this E-Type was to drive and how beautiful it was. And the other half of it was that the guy who owned it knows every E-Type trick in the book yeah, and is yeah, the, to get it to the ultimate, you know, East Coast E-Type expert. Yeah, and, you know, and, he's and, and the man. This was the most perfectly set up. It, it, what you're just saying, yeah. but this one was perfect. Got basically. it, got it. Got yeah, it. yeah. Maybe give them, we'll give them a call, see what's what. But yeah, but, they look great. They are fun to drive. Weirdly, I did the Million Million with Mercedes a couple of years ago, and I did it in a Mercedes Goldwing uh, 300 SL. And someone goes, what's that like to drive? I go, well, have you ever driven an E-Type Jag? Because it's really similar, but the E-Type Jag stops better than the Goldwing because it's got disc brakes. And that was Jag's sort of claim to fame that they were the first production car with disc brakes when everyone else was running drum brakes in the 50s and stuff. I thought, oh, I think... Uh Oh, you know what it was? It was the 300SL Roadster had the disc brakes, and some people convert yeah. re- convert their coupes to the Roadster rear ends with the disc brakes. Yeah, because that was in 61, yeah. and the Jag would have come out with it. Yeah. So maybe they're probably right. Yeah, and their claim to fame was yeah. he beat Enzo to the, to the punch, right. and Enzo said, oh, it's the world's most beautiful car, but at the time, the Ferraris were running drum brakes. Yeah, and at the time, the Ferraris were not good looking. the ferraris were kind of funky looking in the early 50s what are your Uh, thoughts on ferraris today new ones the newest ones? ones yeah that 812 gts is the shit yeah that's what's up that's what's I, I wasn't particularly into the f8 or the sf90 okay. despite the unbelievable speed yeah, yeah. you know that i i i was impressed with with the sf90 right. but when i got home 
I wasn't like, ooh, gotta have I can't, one. I gotta have that. That's that th- after you, because you drove the SF90. The blue one, I think, right? Yeah, I, I drove the, we drove the white one. But okay. after driving that car, that was when I came up with my 355 with a spare powertrain. Oh, got to go, go, go. That was my alternative to yeah, that. Yeah, I, th- I think if the 355 drove like the 360, it would be the ultimate car, because they both look cool, but somehow to me, the Wedgie 355 is more desirable to my sort of power. It's palette. so pretty. Yeah. yeah. The 360 is a nice driving car, though. And side by side, though, the 360 really looks big next to a 355. Mm-hmm. And they're only like, you know, a couple of years apart, but the 360 seems way more advanced and modern. It yeah, seems. yeah. It was a real, even even then it was like, oh, yes, we can, this this can just be used as like a car. Yeah, yeah. Even, even, even then the 355 seemed fragile. Like yeah, even 15 years ago. But now yeah. I'm thinking 348. It's like a baby Testarossa, right? Yeah. With those mm-hmm. side rakes. That kid's yellow car that I drove was really nice. It was a Spider, so it was a 94, and it was really, The one really we rented? Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it raises the question to me, what does it cost to get into a Testarossa? Uh, 80 will get you into a shitty one. Yeah. 100 will get you into a really nice driver. 125 is where they start getting really nice. Have they come down? I kind of seem They've, like they bottomed out about eight or nine, eight years ago, and they cra- they've been creeping. So this is on the creep up. It's, it's not on, it's on the up. It's okay. on the up. Yeah, yeah, it's on the up. 348s are the last ones that are like bottomed out. Well, no, well, yeah. 456s. Well, maybe. Now, that brings me to the other question: Ferrari Mondial. Oh, they're going to be 50 grand forever. <laughs> I think you can pick them up for 20 or 30 grand, can't you? Chris Harris just bought one. Yeah. He just bought one for himself. Yeah. I, I saw that. When I see them every once in a while, I'm like, ooh, those are nice. I mean, I see one for 25 grand. It's a coupe. I go, how bad can it be? I mean, obviously Pretty it can bad. be bad. It can be bad. But yeah, you go entry bad. level is not really that bad. It's obtainable, right? That's one of the only cars where halfway through the production run, they change the orientation of the engine. That can't be good. It's a transverse engine, and then they go to the Mondial T, and it's a transverse, it's a it's longitudinal. a longitudinal engine. Crazy, right? That's a ninety degree turn. Right? That's fucking crazy. And then you have to do a major out the engine out. So last Ferrari question: Is Ferrari making an SUV? Is this is this yes. like the lime green thing outside? I mean, the RS. We have a video coming out with the RS uh, next week. Um, How do you like the RS? That's fast, that car. If you. It, objectively, it's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it's hard, you know, regardless of what you think about it, whether should they be making an SUV or not, if you just... Isn't that their of, number one selling car by yep. like two to one at yep. least? Yeah. <laughs> I guess they made the right move. Yeah. So that means a, Ferrari's doing one. fast as yeah. fuck. It's so they fast. Can't, Ferrari can't look at that and just go, yeah, we don't like money that much. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we, yeah we're Italian. We, we don't like money that much. Right. No, it's really fast. Have you you driven one, right? Yeah, I drove one. They're really fast. Yeah, they are. It's not, I mean, it's not for me, but it's crazy. And they kind of, they don't blend in like every other SUV that sort of looks they the same. Sure not, not. Especially yeah. in that lime green no. color, but even in like, even, even black, black yeah. they, there's something cool about the shape of the fact that it's unique and it doesn't look like every other appliance, yeah. right? And if it's not, it's on the height adjustable suspension, and if it's on one of the sportier modes, like, it's not high at all. If it's like, Zach was driving it earlier today and I was following in the Corvette on, uh, on Corsa mode or whatever it was, on its lowest setting, and it's like not an SUV anymore at that point. It has the same ground clearance as like an E-class, E63, yeah, you know, and there's not, it's not big, enormous wheels, like bare poof poof. The dead cat space goes away. Yeah, it all goes away. Really yeah, yeah. Where did you guys drive it? Did you go to the crest? We were up or? on the crest this morning, yeah. So you probably carried a lot of speed up there. That thing is so fast, dude. <laughs> I know. It's so fast. So you went out to Newcombs. We're talking about the crest, right? You went oh, out to yeah. Newcombs. 
Newcomb's was for sale. I, I, I hear this story, yeah. Well, it seemed interesting yeah. as an oppor- a possible opportunity to have a permanent- Car storage halfway up the crest? Not, no, not for car storage. To have a permanent Cars and Coffee yes. outpost got it. in the canyons. Right. And it's 10 and a half acres- and it's got history. Right. It's you've been to the Dragon, right? Tail the Dragon. Before? I've never been. Believe oh, it or really? not, it's on the list. Never been, but I've gone to Newcombs hundreds of times. So. Right. But so, like Newcombs, on the Tail of the Dragon, there's this place called Deals Gap Motorcycle okay. Resort. That's like a hotel and a restaurant. It's pretty shitty, but it's the draw is the road. So the place is yeah. popping off even got on it. like a Tuesday. So when you've got a draw like that, it seemed like a possible opportunity to develop. Sort of like my friend Phil in England has this caffeine and oh, machine yeah, 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 place yeah. that's cool yeah. to develop something Phil like McGovern, that. Right yes, there. Phil McGovern. Uh, it, it, here, up there, uh, where there's, perfect there's a, a, an event space, a lodge, a coffee shop, small restaurant, and possibly not a hotel, but cabins that Don't you can rent. Don't they have some air rights to build a hotel there and some plans? Set- they were plans drawn up. 30 years ago, they were never filed with the state or approved, but they exist. Air rights, like, it's you couldn't build a giant hotel, yeah. but you could build a small hotel or right. you could build cabins. And um, I thought that it would be a good idea because I thought that you could open the restaurant and run it while you were going through the other development processes with the other part of the thing. So you're not just sinking in money and doing nothing while you're waiting five years for this thing to materialize. When I went to look at it, I didn't feel, and someone else might totally feel differently, I didn't feel that I would want to reopen the restaurant in the main building in its existing state. I would want to do fairly major renovations to the main building before even opening that, which led me down a whole other rabbit hole. And ultimately I was like, uh, if this, you know, if this thing was a fire sale price, it would be one thing, but it's a premium price. And someone who's really got stones as a developer or a hotelier, hotelier, whatever, or, or some, you know, experience in the resort business. If the only unknown was that it's forty miles up a mountain, you could deal with that. But there's Got a it. lot of unknowns. For Did they me. move it? I thought it was only twenty-seven miles from the gas Sorry, station. Twenty-seven miles from a gas 26, station. Twenty-six, twenty-seven. Yeah, twenty-seven miles from the gas station. I think that's Sorry. part of the challenge as well, though. Is having, you know, we love driving that stretch of road, but to drive it backwards and forwards to work every to day have and get to re- drive it uh, right in a controllable environment, and then factor in winter when it snowed in and. I've been going to Newcombs for 25 years. Remember when the fires came and then the floods came and then the road was closed for yeah. a year and you can't get there? <laughs> yeah. How do you control that? Yeah, no. Or you can't get from the back end at Rywood because the tunnel's closed. I mean, let's not forget the crest was closed for 18 months up until about a year ago. Oh, yeah, because You have the to go around slides, the back right. way around, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so those restrictions, I think, make it challenging yeah, as well. Yeah, it was well. tough. It, it, it ended up not... not the fantasy was there. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, reality yeah. wasn't so much there. Yeah, yeah. But for somebody, I think it's an opportunity. For somebody. Yeah. You know. I first heard those rumblings a couple of months ago. I spoke to Freddie. I had this little price in my mind, and then he gave me a price that wasn't little. Yeah. It was bigger <laughs> than my little price, times like 300%. I go, how's this ever going to work? Yeah. Because for me, I wouldn't want to lose the charm of what it already has. Correct. But yet at the price point where it's at, it kind of doesn't pan out. And to keep the charm but renovate it to where it's like 
you know, really where you'd want to run a restaurant, right. that would be more expensive than raising, you know, bulldozing the whole thing and building something new, right. which you don't want to do because no. of the history. Right. Um, but a a uh, restoration focused on preservation, twenty seven miles up a mountain from the nearest gas station is a project. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I don't, I just, I I started thinking about what the next five years of my life would yeah, look yeah, like. Yeah, for and sure. went, nah. Just getting there to <laughs> I'll check I'll just park some cars and that'll be yeah. cool. <laughs> One of my favorite things though is to drive, I mean, I love going there on the Friday morning, the Good Vibes Breakfast Club is awesome, but I also like going there on a Wednesday when no one's mm-hmm. around and it's just so peaceful there. Well, we we go up and film early mornings right. on, the, on the weekdays and so, you know, we don't see anybody. I try it's to great. avoid it on the weekends. Yeah, no, it's good. Up, you know, pick your fix six a.m. Tuesday yeah, or Wednesday, yeah, yeah. and it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, like anywhere else, like anywhere else. I drive these roads all over the world, and I'm like, they're empty. People, are like, how do you do that? It's like I got up early. Yeah, it's, it's not, not. It's not it's hard not if you hard. get up early. Yeah. I mean, we got so you got a few on the door there, but we got so many great roads. Yeah. Around. Dude, thanks for coming down. Ah, my pleasure. Really, Great really to nice. have you. The next big thing uh, is... This uh, Friday, 9 a.m. LA time. Do the math on your time zone. Every Friday. Every Friday for the next 10 weeks. Season 2, to recap, is 10 episodes. Season 1 was 6. So 10 episodes, 15 cars. Episode 2 is the Ferraris, 355, 360. I'll run through. I'll spoil it. Episode 3, M Coupe. Episode 4, Fox Body Saline Mustang. Episode 5, Saab 900 SPG, Zurich Motors in Brooklyn. Episode 6 is uh, Gen 1 Boxster. Episode 7 is the Volvo P1800. Episode 8 is my buddy Phil with his Shamal. Episode 9 is Paul Kramer and his car that's in this book. <laughs> the Isuzu Impulse. Yeah, the Isuzu Impulse. Paul Kramer has the nicest Isuzu Impulse yes, you've ever does. seen. Tune in to episode 9 for it. And then we end the season, I guess, in September with a Class 11 Baja bug that I oh, go cool. off-roading in. Oh, fun. An MP bug that was pretty cool. So Rad. That sounds like a good, that's a good lineup. I like yeah, that. Yeah, there's quite a lot of variety, and, yeah. and I'm working on some other ideas. So Brilliant. That's pretty much it. Oh, we got a few questions okay. before we uh, get out of here. Uh, Bo- uh, the bulls are aimed at Magnus. Okay, cool. Nothing. That wasn't just a production note. Right. Um, Chappie says, "Are you into the not not into the nine nine sevens? You seem to have more of the other models." Well, I guess Chappie wasn't listening to when I talked about the nine nine one Turbo S because I was looking for a nine nine seven Turbo, but never found he one. He may have written that before you said oh, that. Oh, could but. be. Uh, to answer your question, I am into nine nine sevens. It's on the list. Just haven't found one yet. Maybe GT3 would be good, though. Uh, Solitary Hero says, uh, the air-cooled 911s seem small. The newest ones seem huge. Is the 997 the perfect size? And do the larger 911s shrink on one with familiarity? Well, yes and no, maybe, possibly yes. For me, 996, I would say, would be the perfect one, only because it's the beginning of the water-cooled era. I really like the 996. And the larger 997s, 991 and 992, they do shrink with familiarity. 992 seems big next to the 991, I got to say. The 992, it, it, quote, shrinks in terms of the fact that it is very agile. Yeah. But goes around corners in the canyons. Right, the our road, road yeah, is not any wider. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. You're, it's you, not shrinking there. Yeah, so you realize that in a nine nine two, whether it's a GT three or whatever, or a regular one, you got a couple of inches that's on it. either side, and that's all you got. Whereas a, an air cooled car, you can really uh, make a lane. You can yeah. make drive drive a line. If you're driving a nine nine six Aero kit narrow bodied nineteen ninety nine car in Decca Canyon, it doesn't seem big. If you're driving a nine nine two whatever yeah, in Decca yeah, Canyon, yeah. it's not shrinking. 
seeming. Yeah, it's yeah. seeming pretty big. <laughs> it's it's pretty big, wide. Yeah. The road's not getting any wider. Yeah. Uh, MDK Kaiser says, moment of truth, Magnus, the worst Porsche you've ever driven. Oh, that's a great question. It really is putting me on the spot here. I haven't really driven a ba- I mean, I've driven cars that don't really run, and I'll say that's a bad experience, right? When you buy something that's, you know, sat for 30 years and it doesn't run. Uh, worst driving one? I can't answer that question. Are there I'm any sorry. ones where they were working properly, you just weren't that into how they drove? Well... That was almost, believe it or not, the Turbo S when I first got it. It did everything perfectly, but I got out and didn't look over my shoulder. Uh-huh. I wasn't in love with it straight away. Okay. I'll, I'll answer that question when I'm driving home. I'll go, no. Nah, <laughs> that, you remember that? That Te- one was the worst Text me later. One. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll put it in later. the chat for the yeah, next show. There you go. Uh, Ryukachu says, uh, the Royal Wedding, uh, they used an electric converted Jaguar E-Type. Did it hurt your soul? Did it give you hope or something in between? you got to evolve with the times. High voltage rock and roll is coming through. So I say uh, adapt to the times. It, it didn't hurt me. I think also uh, that that the electric E-Type was Harry's wedding. I think William's wedding had an electric Aston Martin Vantage, oh, well, a 70s uh, Aston Vantage convertible. And I think both belonged to Prince Charles, who that, that would make had his, those cars converted for his own personal so- use. Sounds like a rule Britannia moment for me. Queen well, Elizabeth is the cooler one. She rolls those Range Rovers around. It. She's yeah. the cooler one. Drives yeah. herself around in the... Yeah. Uh, Chip Manuel says, uh, have you ever been mistaken for Rob Zombie? All the time. Hey, aren't you Rob Zombie? I, uh, ironically, I've known Rob Zombie for about 20 years, and recently I ran into him on the Lower East Side in New York. Believe it or not, going to see my buddy Phil, and we had a little stop and chat, and it was the first time I've actually done, hey, can I be that guy, and yeah. did the selfie, which of course later became that day, hey, aren't you Rob Zombie, <laughs> on an Instagram <laughs> post. And when we stood next to each other, Rob's a little shorter, and his beard's not quite as long. So Is that's it like you look like Rob Zombie <laughs> till Rob Zombie pull up? Is that- <laughs> <laughs> kind of the opposite. I'm more Rob Zombie than Rob Zombie. That's funny. You're yeah. like the caricature of Rob yeah, Zombie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everyone expects Rob Zombie to be more like me, and then you meet him. It's he's, he's, he's a different thing. You know, the last time I saw him on television, I actually kind of remember that you are more Rob Zombie yeah. than Rob Zombie right now. Rob um, Zombie. Jonathan Dixon, what are our opinions on the recently released Lotus Emira? Emira, we don't really know how to pronounce Did it Did you yet. see that launch when it rained? It was so typically English right yeah. last week. I think the car is very pretty. I, I, it's a nice I looking too. car. Uh, manual with uh, the supercharged Toyota Six, dual clutch with the AMG uh, little four cylinder, four banger, high, which is a fun little engine, high strung. I'm a Lotus fan, former Lotus owner of a Europa. I had the S2 Esprit recently. Big fan of the Avora GT, and this to me looks pretty awesome. Yeah. This is their last of the last of the line, right? Last gas Supposedly their last gas-powered yeah. car. We well, will see what that uh, if that is true. But to me, I think it looks great. Yeah. It looks nice. I mean, and if it's their last gas-powered car, like... Go out on a bang with that one. Yeah, they might make it for 20 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. like, it's Look not the, the last cash. model year of their last yeah. gas-powered car. This could be around in 2040. <laughs> be around for a while. Yeah. Right. No, I think it looks great. The rest of these we can save. The rest of these we will save for our uh, crew show. Thank you all for joining us on uh, this Monday afternoon. It's actually going to be a double header. If you're with us live, you can come back at 4 p.m. we got Gareth Reynolds from The Dollop coming into studio. We're, we're double-headering today. Double 
trouble, trouble. Zach went up to went out of town last week, Where'd and so go, we got to play catch up. It's Italy. Oh, Italy. you drive driving some prancing ponies out I did. F8, SF90, and Portofino M. Yeah. Yeah. Trace now, Ferraris. Now, the, we talked about the SF90. The one you drove, was it different than the one you drove? No, no, it? we were together. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so you drove it out there? No, we drove the white one here, okay. and then I went and drove. But the one the he one I drove two goes. The one I drove in Italy was the same spec. Okay. It was uh, Fiorano pack, which I think the white one had yeah. as well. Yeah. It had harnesses in it. That was the only difference. It's, okay. they're yeah. cr- it's insanely fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Nutty. but it's... I don't know about you, but like you said earlier, you alluded to the the, the road determines right, your the speed. speed at right. that point. Right. So without an enormous amount of room, right? You're running out of what am I doing? Yeah, you're what running out a thousand horsepower. Running for? out of road. Right? <laughs> yeah, How much right? quick can you, can you get a new? You can't, right? right? Yeah. Like, well, where are we going to be in ten years? Like, can they just, are they going to keep adding power? Are they going to start dude, zero to sixty and zero? I mean, (laughs) tires can't handle it. Like, I'm I'm curious what they're going to figure out. What will be the new selling point? You know, it'll be like a 205.55 on a 14-inch tire. That'll be the new selling point, right? (laughs) Charmingly retro, Uh, Um, modernly classic. Magnus Walker on Instagram, and uh, that's it. That's pretty much your social media. That's it. And Haggerty, Haggerty YouTube, and uh, I'd say buy his shoes, but they sold out. The shoes did sell out. The 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 rug was a nice gift I got. Who got that? Who sent you that? I got that, of course. That rug is yeah. the shit. And it's big. It's about four feet long. That's it's perfect pretty awesome. for your new house. <laughs> yeah, You're welcome, Matt. House. That's killer. All Thanks right, guys. for coming down, bro. Thanks a lot. Appreciate Enjoy it. Ch- I gotta, I'm going to go outside and see the interior of your 165,000-mile yeah, Porsche. You can check and it out. Uh, we'll see the rest of you live, folks. Come back at 4 o'clock. Gareth Reynolds from the Dollop is in studio. Bye. Cheers, guys.